hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey everyone, welcome back to the HA Podcast. We have returning guest, Olivia Liv Wagner. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. I'm excited to be back here with you guys. Yes. So for those of you who don't remember, like I had you back on the show maybe early last year or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that was the like late winter. Yeah. Roughly, yeah. Um, so she's a registered dietitian, right? Nutritionist. Oh, yeah. What else are you? Tell so, the people. Yeah. 
I am a women's health dietitian. I specialize in women's hormone health, PCOS, fertility challenges, um, and period problems. And I am a dietitian, have been now for a little over 10 years, and I specialize in functional medicine therapies to optimize women's health and their healing journey. So basically, the way that I describe that to people, as opposed to looking at all of your symptoms in isolation, I'm trying to understand what some of those root threads are and bigger concepts that are driving those different symptoms. And that's like really what we're going to dig into with this topic today as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm stoked to have you on here because yeah, you are almost like, uh, for, uh, you work with people with fertility problems from every direction, you know, like, but, but, and that sounds broad right? And it, it can be, but at, I bet you that at the core of your work with most of your clients, regardless of what their actual fertility challenge is, is this topic of blood sugar. Wholeheartedly. Absolutely. Yes. Well, it and solves actually, your problems. I would extend that to PCOS and missing periods too. Yeah. Like all fertility, reproductive hormone related problems, uh, should be touching on blood sugar balance. Yeah. It's a bedrock. It truly is a foundation that we cannot scaffold you toward your goals and your results without. Yeah. Uh, we're super passionate about that here, um, in what we do. So yeah, start to just have someone on to riff about it. Um, from their own, you know, professional practice experience. I want to hear like other practitioners' opinions on it. So just stoked to have a conversation with you about it. Um, it's a buzzword, right? There are definitely a lot of people who are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's this thing that sounds like a small rock issue, I think, to some people, but it is a big rock. So would you help me? kind of explain blood sugar what what is it why is it important in this particularly in this context yeah so I think that one other like you said it's kind of like a small stones people perceive it as or I often use the word like it's not as sexy as like some oh, yeah. people are like strategies but it's also not just about preventing diabetes like I think that that's what we really think about blood sugar balance with, or like keeping your blood sugar nice and stabilized, just like the other buzzword of diabetes, which is a huge, you know, uh, it's a huge, it's a chronic health issue in our, in our nation, in our world, but why blood sugar is relevant to women's hormone health and what it really is, is every time we eat a meal or a snack, we break down our food into tiny molecules of sugar, which we call glucose. So those are basically our body's like primary energy source is glucose. And we get that predominantly from carbohydrates, but our body also will break down um, other substrates in the body to make that glucose too. So when we eat, we are impacting our blood sugar levels. And when the way that we basically use those sugars is the hormone insulin takes them up from the bloodstream and brings them into the cell so that our mitochondria and our cells have energy to operate and our body can, you know, support all of its daily functions and daily needs. So what the body does not love is when our blood sugar is erratic and it's perceiving a threat that it might not have energy or have energy availability 
when it needs it. And when we're talking about women's hormone health and hormone balance, one of the biggest themes that I describe to my clients is perceived safety. And if we're thinking about the fact that blood sugar imbalances can create threat or stress on the body, we're already starting to explore that kind of like chaotic cascade that could allow the body to not feel as safe. Mm. How are you tracking with that, Danny? No, I'm tracking with it. Well, I'm, I'm actually writing down some questions. Cause I'm like, yeah, what about this? What about that? And like, how will it proceed? You know what I mean? Um, and I'm immediately just like, okay, how in the, so one of the things that in, I'd say mentally recovery, but any kind of like adrenal dysfunction support too, um, it's recommended to be like eating at a consistent interval of time to help with this issue. So how does like eating to balance blood sugar and maybe I'm I'm like skipping steps here with this question but how does eating to balance blood sugar for resolving a hormonal problem differ to eating normally if you didn't have any issue so yeah. you know like something that people will uh, struggle with is like you want me to eat how regularly you want me to be like, like this diligent with my macros? Like, is this a protocol? Is this a like forever for me? Yeah. You know how it can be used it, in some ways it's used as a healing tool, but in many ways, it's also, it is just an important way of eating. Yeah. What are your thoughts on all of that? My first thought that comes up about that, and then I'm going to explain how to support blood sugar balance for hormone health, but is that many of us are not educated on how to eat growing up. We get educated through diet culture. We get educated through what we observe with our family members, but we aren't really, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong or if you have seen this in any other way, but I wasn't really told how to eat to nourish my body or my health. I think that mostly there was education around things I should fear or things I should avoid, like even in health class. And then diet culture does like a slam dunk with that too. And so I think what you're describing is most women, you just, you educating women on eating intervals and how they should be looking at eating right now. And it might feel foreign to them because they're, perception of eating has been formed around those, the outer wisdom from, again, their family experiences or diet culture, and then the inner wisdom of like, what sounds good to them, you know, Mm -hmm. don't have maybe the nourishing foundational outer wisdom of like what our body actually needs to support and thrive. So that's just kind of one thought that I have on that. And the way that I educate people about blood sugar balance for like hormone recovery versus your just daily needs is that they're not very different outside of your energy need potentially being higher in a hormone recovery phase. So like the calories that you're taking in and the amount of food, we might need more of a surplus. And I know that you talk about this with your HA clients, but we need to, again, kind of like knock on the door of the hypothalamus and say like, Hey, we want to restart that communication or that conversation with the ovaries And to do that, sometimes the body needs like overwhelming messaging that it's getting enough food. Like we, like we really are eating enough food and regularly eating enough food now. And so that surplus is important. But when it comes down to what I describe as the three T's for blood sugar balance, meal timing, 
meal type and total amount. The biggest difference in the recovery is going to be the amount of food available to you. And sometimes the window of time in between meals will be shorter when you are healing, you know, whether it be from like an adrenal standpoint or a hormone standpoint, um, your body might not have as much resiliency to go longer without eating before your blood sugar gets too low. So that might be a little bit more robust, the timing of and the frequency of your meals and snacks, as well as the amount of food. But otherwise, I would say that those three T's should be pretty paramount for most women in their menstruating years. Yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't be messing with it in the way that we do. Right. I love what um, you mentioned earlier, like the diet culture and there's the way we grow up help shape our beliefs around like how much we should be eating and how frequently. And that seems to be like the biggest issue is like, but I'm confused because I always thought that I, this is, this is what I think it is for a lot of people. We've been told that we have so much access to food that we should fear that level of access to food. And that, you know, the industrial revolution happened and now food is everywhere and food is like generally bad for us. And like, it's so, it's generally so calorically dense, like especially in the Western countries that if you just aim to eat as little food as possible, you'll probably end up where you should be. And this is false. (laughs) Like this, it is actually quite easy to undereat when you have that perspective. And what we're talking about is like undoing that. Yes. And I would add to that, that our modernized world provides us with additional challenges, you know, with exposures in our environment, toxins, hormones and pesticides, things like that. You know, we could argue like paleolithically or like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, like were they eating every two to three hours, like protein and fat and carb and, you know, different things like that. I think our world is just different today. And this is what we know people need. Yeah, this is what we see works when we have someone with a problem and we implement it yeah. and it works. Yeah. But, but I was, you know, we also, we don't know. We do not really truly know what yeah. it looked like pre-industrial revolution. Like, you know, my, my dad would wake up in the morning as a child and I, like he would, he, like this was only in the late 50s. And his mom would cook him like lamb chops and toast and vegetables for breakfast. Right. And then you come home for lunch and you have another cooked meal. Yeah. And then you come home for dinner and you have another cooked meal. No, I don't think these people were snacking all that much, but I don't think they were originally in like a, yeah, a, I think they were in less of a, uh, like exposure to, toxins and xenoestrogens and endocrine receptors world you know I do think that uh but you know they just they weren't pushing their bodies to the limits in the first place and so they could just like eat three square meals a day like that's kind of the story I have in my head is like that's a possible reality um but when you're coming up out of yeah like a crazy nutrient deficiency and extreme stress and hunger and all that good stuff uh you gotta eat you might have to eat more frequently yeah 
Exactly. Yeah. I would argue with your your father too, just less processed food in his environment. Yeah. Too. Like a lot of us have more processed food in our history and in our childhood. And like our bodies are still recovering from that, you know? Yeah. And still like adapting and uh, evolving towards this huge change in how we access food and what's in most of the food that we get that is like generally less nutritious. Yeah. And I sometimes, I wonder if you hear this too, but I'll get the feedback from clients like, well, I always ate this way and I felt fine. And it's Mm -hmm. like, these problems don't happen overnight. And I always tell people that hormone problems are not really hormone problems. They are imbalances that create like the hormone shift is the last domino to fall. There's like 15 other dominoes that have ticked before you started to see it happen with your hormones. And so, you know, whether it's a missing period or just like anxiety or fatigue or like some of these other, you know, hormone related symptoms that we were talking about earlier, it's not going to happen overnight. And it's also not going to undo overnight. And I think that that's where some of the frustration can come with some of these like less sexy interventions is that they require practice and behavioral change and lifestyle adaption and the consistency to create the, the, um, long-term results we're looking for. Mm. Totally agree with that. Yeah. It's a lot more, um, involved and like the, I love what you said about how it's not really like, it's not the hormones that are broken. It's, they're a sign of something else. Because we feel like, um, oh, just balancing my blood sugar just off, like, for example, is way too simple, right? Like, this is a hormonal problem. I probably need medication. You know, you, what you think of me just like eating three square meals a day with a couple of snacks is going to like resolve my issue. Now, I'm telling you right now for a lot of people, yes, like that is so true. It really, like, I know, I get it. It sounds too simple, but don't you think it almost sounds nonsensical to say, like, if you really think about it, to say something caused your hormones to just like flatline, right? And the only, now the only way to fix it is to like directly try and like touch the hormones, <laughs> like like put the HRT, you know? Um, it just actually sounds like not particularly logical to me. You're preaching to the choir. I mean, it's, it's a huge pain point I have with our medical system. And I think it's a huge disservice to women of our, our generation and our, you know, the women um, even much younger than us too, because, we, there is not that awareness of any other solution outside of those pharmaceutical interventions. You know, it's, I mean, I, I don't, if anyone's listened to our last podcast, they'll know this, but I, even as a dietitian, went 10 years with a missing period and my, none of my doctors talked to me about diet. None of my doctors talked to me about my relationship with food. You know, it was all the higher level stuff. And I was on hormone replacement therapy for a year and it, it's a huge disservice. And that's why I know you and I are like in this space is to create some change here. I know. And isn't it so hot? Okay. Here's our first rabbit hole, like in a totally different direction. 
But don't you ever feel like, you know, we, we create these services that we provide um, or maybe we make a course or something like that. And there's this little part of you that's like, oh, all of the doctors are going to hate me, right? All of the doctors are going to be like, she didn't go to medical school, you know, like Ash- Ashley and I have a complex about this. Okay. Like, and maybe, I don't know, maybe as an actual um, registered dietitian, you may not fully experience this. I don't know, but we do, but it's like, yeah, but we're really seeing a lot of women that you're not helping. So yeah. like, I know it's, it's hard and it's uncomfortable, you know, for us to go out and, and try and help these women with something that our culture sees, falsely sees as complex and that only a doctor should be touching. Um, but yeah, it makes me feel like uncomfortable sometimes. How do you feel about it? Well, I, I can really level with you on the, the reality of our, the way this is enough, this would be another rabbit hole, but just how we in the United States per, um, I need to say this thoughtfully, but we, yeah. <laughs> we really put doctor's word on a pedestal. And mm-hmm. if I break my leg, I want to go to the ER and have a doctor set my leg. Absolutely. 100%. When we are speaking about prevention, And when we are speaking about how the body works synergistically as a whole, there is a huge lack of, um, even if education is there, there's a lack of space to properly be able to educate patients and guide them to that support. You know, even, I, I don't know if the practitioners I was working with at the time had the awareness that with my missing period, I probably needed to eat more food and reduce my stress and balance my blood sugar and like all those good things. Even if they didn't have the time to educate me on all those things, I do think that it's a part of their service to plant that seed if they have that education. And if they don't have that education, there is a need for people like you and I to share that. Yeah. And like, until they, like, if you could really truly say, no, no, no. Danny and Ashley and like live we, we got this covered we don't need, if you can really say and you can prove it to me great but until I stop seeing women who are like my doctor wouldn't listen to me they just tried to put me on birth control you know I'm sorry but I cannot in good conscience go away um you know what have you seen this amazing movie series called stalked by my doctor no but I need to check it out I'm ready <laughs> Anyone who knows what I'm talking about has just gone, oh my gosh, it, it is, it is ridiculous, but it is amazing. It's kind of like a, it's an obsession movie. So, you know, any kind of good where like someone's obsessed with someone kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, and I'm four movies into the five movie series. So this is current for me. And so he's a doctor and he's crazy. <laughs> And he gets infatuated with um, certain patients. And then he uh, basically, if they won't love him, then he's going to kidnap them. So anyways, that's the premise of the movie. <laughs> but in it, in it, because he's a doctor, you know, he's in a very um, strong position. You know, he's in a very powerful position. And there's just this scene I was watching it and I was like, this is it in a nutshell from this movie. He's like, 
he's pretending he's stolen the identity of another doctor (laughs) and he's pretending to be this doctor who's actually a sleep doctor and his sleep his patient is a sleepwalker and she's highly suggestible when she sleeps when she sleepwalks and so he is like calling her and being like hey I just wanted to check in on how you're doing she's like I'm doing all right and he's like I wanted to just suggest um a like a strong sleep sedative for you just to help you sleep she never mentioned it like she's never asked for this and she just goes oh okay well if you say so dog and goes and gets the sleep sedative anyway he breaks into her house and it's a whole thing but the point the actual point here is I was like yeah the level of um obedience to what the doctor said I was like it was just so uh, like well um shown in this movie and I think that what we as a what I tried to like my perspective because your perspective was um if they have this information, they should be planting this seed before they go into like the prescription route. And Ashley and I just have, try to just have so much compassion for like, it's just not what they're trained to do. They are just trained to prescribe a lot of them. Many of us have had amazing doctors who did point us in this direction. I had a doctor give me a hug and prescribe me a vacation one time. So there are people who know what they're doing. they're just like look this lady has come to me with a problem and I think what she wants from me is a medical solution yeah they did not ask hey do you want a holistic solution hey do you want to know my and they have they didn't do a class on it you know so we have a a mixture of this is what they think we want and they have all the power and we will listen to them no matter what and so we are blindly guided down a path and no one has any idea that there's another option and that's like my perspective that's my very long-winded story and perspective on the problem (laughs) the problem and I you know that's why we both do what we do and I was gonna say too that through what motivates I think a lot of the you know obedience as you said too Mm -hmm. is fear And you and I and other women like us want to empower other women in their awareness and the ways that they can partner with their body to create these changes and so that they can start to make, have the ability to make less choices from fear and from, you know, like a a part, a place of partnership and like understanding. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, Do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit. Or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types 
behaviors around food and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect. And then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery. So to get the checklist, all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you. You can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you you know, systematically kicked it to the curb. So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot, and it will be waiting for you there. Totally. And I'm sure we all hope that the future of the medical system looks different. I have a lot of hope that there is a lot more either cross collaboration or holistic training, Um, but it's going to be a while. I mean, I was even read, reminded the other day of it takes like 17 years for research, which is A, so hard to conduct and very expensive, but to be translated into, you know, standardized recommendations. Yeah. It's like, like the curriculum at medical school. Yeah. Like I don't have the time to wait for that to happen. I know what's working and I know what, you know, is published in the literature and also what makes sense from like a biochemical mechanistic standpoint and it's like we need to help people move the needle right totally yeah there's and and results is what drives market demand which is what drives change so yeah someone's gotta do it (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah. yeah. So it's been really encouraging to see. I feel like if there really was one thing that, um, you know, in the nutrition space where there's so much disagreement, if there really was one thing that most of us could get behind, um, especially in the hormone slash nutrition space, it would be this topic, right. Of like eating to balance blood sugar. So you know, it does have a lot to do with like our ability, our body's ability to like tolerate stress and things like that. Um, how would you describe, you know, what is actually happening under the hood when we're in like a blood regulated state? Like, why is this helping my fertility chances? Yeah. So the way that I describe it to people is that we have when we have healthy blood sugar levels, this can help keep our cortisol in better check, which can help keep our, ins- or when we have healthy blood sugar levels, this can help keep both our cortisol and our insulin in check. And that this is going to help to promote our sex hormone production. And so when we have dysregulation in our blood sugar, we have elevations in cortisol, when we have elevations in our insulin, we are going to have prioritization of kind of like, I'm getting this visual of like, if those are like the 
like malbehaved kids in class. Like the teacher is like all over those kids. Uh, like squeaky to, wheel gets the oil. Yeah. Like trying to like manage them, manage them, manage them. And then it's like, okay, no time for the sex hormones, like no energy, no yeah. extra support for the sex hormones. And so it's the way that when I'm talking about balancing sex hormones, with, sex hormones with clients, it's that we have to address blood sugar balance and cortisol balance and thyroid hormone health before we can touch the sex hormones. It goes in that kind of like continuum. And so that's just another visual for women to see and understand that like, oh, if you've been told you have hypothyroidism or if you're missing your period, or if you have the stuff going on, it's like, we have to address stress and blood sugar balance well before we're going to make an impact on those two other categories. Mm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned hyperthyroid actually, which just triggered me to also want to ask your thoughts on that. Like what results do you see or what are the things, the needles that you have to move the levers that you tend to pull with women when you see that they have like low overall hormones and they have hypothyroidism yeah. Like what's your approach with? Yeah. Well, no surprise. Blood sugar balance. Yeah. What we really want to think about here is mineral balance too. So mm. our minerals very directly impact our insulin sensitivity. And so, you know, minerals that I'm regularly talking about with women without doing like additional assessment and testing, yeah. are, are you getting enough sodium? Are you getting enough potassium? And are you getting enough magnesium? And the three of those are really going to support your stress response and your blood sugar balance. But then when it comes to our thyroid health, so again, if we don't have blood sugar balance and stress under control, we're going to have, or like a healthy stress response um, available, we're going to have strain on our thyroid hormones. And then there are particular nutrients of concern that influence thyroid health, like selenium, iodine, zinc, we need amino acids from protein. So this kind of all then reroutes back to blood sugar balance, because if we're eating in a way that's providing us with, again, adequate nutrition, we're getting enough calories and food for our body to feel metabolically safe. Our thyroid is like this thermostat for our body. And if we don't have enough calories coming in, it's going to slow down that thermostat because it's trying to conserve energy. It's worried that it's not going to have enough resources for again, your brain and your heart to be, and your to breathe. Like that is its top priority. It's like, you can have a baby some other time. We have to keep these other things working. And although hormone health, sex hormone health is not just about reproduction, the body does there are so many more benefits to it outside of just getting pregnant and having a period. But when we have, when the body is thinking of hierarchy of needs, your reproductive hormones are going to take a back burner to those other elements. So we do really have to think about blood sugar balance, stress, and then having those minerals available to support um, thyroid function too. And I really pay a lot of attention to gut health as well, because you have to be able to absorb your nutrients well. And if you have inflammation or autoimmunity um, circulating as a result of those gut imbalances, that, that can also put stress on thyroid communication. Mm, yeah, you said, okay, two things that I want to attach to this. Yeah. First of all, Yes, everyone to be taking your electrolytes, guys. Um, and it's so interesting how like, <laughs> oh, you're drinking right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool that 
there are definitely things that we can implement for people without lab testing. Like I just know by the symptoms you're telling me, by the factor on this call, you should probably drink some electrolytes, <laughs> have your adrenal cocktail. Um, you also mentioned protein and I was just like, oh yes. Okay. You or you at least mentioned amino I acids. Did. Yeah. I said protein okay, you did. amino acids. Yeah. Protein amino acids. Okay. This is, I'm so curious. We think sometimes it's all we need to do. <laughs> like, uh, so even maybe even blood sugar balance is like almost right there, but it's like home girl, you do not eat any protein. Yeah. And they're like, well, I just don't like it. <laughs> I just don't like protein or, or they just, uh, they eat it, but not very much. And what are your thoughts on protein and reproductive hormones? I mean, it's so important and you can't really have well-balanced blood sugar. Uh, let me rephrase this. I am of the belief based on what I see in my practice and how I work with women and the research that I have done is that when you are in a space where you are trying to heal from a dis place of dysregulation, it is nearly impossible without high quality, um, at least partially based animal proteins in your routine. Yeah. And it's hard to say that it's like when someone's not ready for that, it's really hard to like drop that bomb. This is again, like, I just keep talking about this morality versus reality paradigm we have going on where like, but I really just don't like protein. I really like, it doesn't make, it just feels weird. It feels totally counterintuitive to certain people based on how they grew up, the beliefs around it. Um, I don't believe it's good economically. I don't believe it's good for the environment. I don't believe it's moral, yada, yada. These are all our moral values that we're putting onto like the value of animal protein. And it's really stressful because some, I like, sometimes I just, I think if I had to say what is the hardest thing to get certain, like some people to implement that is actually going to make a difference for them, it would be that. And I have seen women with a cycle, um, but they're not getting pregnant, make that one change. And it's just like, well, there are so many vitamins, minerals, yeah. proteins too. And I actually am doing a little bit more. I'm, I'm always learning, but I really wanted to invest in some different, this is a, a mini rabbit hole, really wanted to invest in some different continuing education this year. And so I'm actually going in, can't remember where you're based out of, but I'm going to Austin, Texas. In, I'm in Austin. I, yeah, I thought you were. Um, going to Austin next month for the what good shall we do conference? So it's the force of- Oh, in Fredericksburg. Mm -hmm. I was so close to there. I know Kaylee McDevitt will be there. Yes. yes. You're going to see them. Oh, now I need to go. Damn it. Come on and come on with me, please. But anyways, I think that there is a lot that can be said about um, investing in what kind of animal protein, where the source of animal protein, where it is coming from and choosing, you know, different- um, different, like, what is the word that I'm seeking for, but like purveyors that are using really quality practices and are also using that re regenerative agriculture practices to support the land and the ecosystem and the economy in that way. And so there is a lot to be said about that, but from a clinical and like 
biochemical standpoint to, for healing and for hormone health, I think there is so much tremendous benefit from eating animal proteins and also just keeping consistent protein in your routine to support that blood sugar balance. Protein is very anchoring for our blood sugar because carbohydrate is that big driver of the blood glucose response and protein and fat and fiber slow down the digestion of it. So when I'm talking to clients about the three T's for blood sugar stability, which are timing, type, and total amount, we are really like, again, you're like, blood sugar balance is big, protein's really big. When I'm talking about building that balanced plate, I feel like what I am having to really zoom in on with most of my clients is making sure that they are getting that adequate protein at their meal times because we very, we grossly underestimate um, our needs on a daily basis, especially in healing. Our body requires amino acids. They are the building blocks of our cells. And when we're healing and we're trying to regenerate, we require so much of this. And I know you have been through pregnancy and you've delivered. And like, I talk about this a lot too in postpartum, like do not skimp on your protein because your body has so much healing to do. And then it needs more to maintain, you know? And the same thing goes with calories. You know, we need calories. We need protein to like get your body back to this, um, to allow for this regrowth. And then also to promote the, the stability and the safety for that, that um, continued maintenance. Yeah. This is so satisfying. <laughs> yes. Like I want to know that other people are seeing this exact same thing. And it's like, you know, it's again, one of those things that makes sometimes I feel uncomfortable. Cause I'm like, look, you're not going to like this, but I think <laughs> I, I, you're probably expecting like a long list of supplements. You may be expecting that I want to run this test and that test, but I'm looking at your food log. I'm looking at your, your symptoms. And I reckon we just try this. <laughs> you know? And they're like, what? <laughs> That's it. You know, I doubt it again, just like the blood sugar thing. It sounds small. Yeah, but it is foundational and it is big and it will make a difference. Yeah. Um, and it, it, for many of us, it could be the difference. And if, you know, if this is true, like what you're saying, we need to be as a market demanding more from our producers, you know, of protein, our purveyors. Yeah. Here in Austin, I'm a big fan of, a, we have something called Austin farmhouse delivery yeah. and other markets that, um, have lots of meat providers and we my husband and I have recently bought a whole cow we've bought a whole pig um, and we're trying to find a way to get some chickens but it's like yes it's really it's it's a tough spot to be in because our, the industry is not great but yeah. there are people trying to make a change it is so important for our health it is so important for our fertility and I just think like as a crew, you know, we need to yell loudly about this. I just want to level with the listeners here too. I did not meet, I did not eat animal-based protein outside of eggs until I was 25. Like I grew up with a strong aversion to meat. I didn't like it as a kid. And as soon as I knew that it was okay to not eat meat and call yourself a vegetarian, like in middle school, I was like, cool, like done. I don't have to eat it, whatever. And then it became an orthorexic kind of tendency when mm. I, my, my college years and even graduate school years where I kind of like 
hung my hat and felt like proud of like, oh, I don't have to eat meat. I don't eat meat or I have enough like, I don't know why this word is coming up, but like, God forbid, like willpower. Like I was disciplined enough, you know? And it wasn't until I was in the lows, lows of my healing journey. And someone said to me, like, you need to eat good quality animal proteins and beef and like every meal have something there. And it was a little traumatic at first to to shift. And I'm so grateful to it. I mean, it was just one of the big pillars in my transformation, but I feel very, very confident that it was a huge needle mover. And I mean, I see it time and time again with clients, but I just, I wanted to level with like, I've been on that other side too, where there wasn't as much morality, I suppose, as far as maybe like animal welfare or things like that. It was more, um, I had a, a personal uh, dilemma with it in a sense, like a personal, like I didn't like the idea of eating it. It felt icky to me. It felt all these things. And I just want to, um, if anyone needs to hear this, like I was able to get to the other side of that and it's been really supportive. Yeah. Do you, um, have you noticed many correlations yourself in the people who dislike, um, you know, just like, it's hard for them to eat more protein because they're not interested, right? Like it sounds hard to do. Do you see a correlation with the, it's just the fact that they haven't been eating it for so long that now they're, they need to re, they kind of need to move into a period of discomfort to get through, to like reignite that sort of more natural desire to eat meat? Like what, what are your thoughts on like, I don't like meat? Yeah, no, I mean, I honestly had to be really creative about ways to, I agree with you. One, first, I agree with you. I think your body has to become available to receiving that kind of nourishment again. And your mind has to be able to get on board with it. Mm-hmm. I think there's like a chemical, um, it's it's adapted it's adapted to its restriction which is so smart yeah that's my impression I haven't done a ton of research on that yeah but I have found that is really helpful to just get creative with how you can enjoy this process a little bit more and you know maybe it's not a zero to 60 kind of experience where you're like not eating meat eating a filet with a potato you know like maybe we are grinding up or like doing like a ground beef or that ends I love the ancestral beef blend and bison blend from force of nature giving you extra bang for your buck and we're putting that in something like a quesadilla or we're doing tacos with it where like you're getting crunch you're getting maybe extra veggies and toppings and maybe you have like a slaw or something on the side where the meat feels like to at least start you know not it's not the main, there's all the other things you're looking forward to on the plate that are going along with it and are kind of like disguising it. Yeah. I of meatballs when I first started, because there was something from a texture standpoint that felt better about, you know, having like an almond flour or like a gluten, I was gluten-free at the time. So like a gluten-free breadcrumb, like in the, the meat to kind of like soften it. And, um, just asking yourself how you could make it a little bit more fun. I find that like pairing it with a carb, you know, whether like it's the quesadilla or like a pasta or something. And we're always talking about having quality carbohydrates at your meals too, you know, to, to support healthy hormones, um, sugar stability as well. But it's, you know, if it's feeling scary in your brain, what could shift to make it feel a little less scary and a little bit more comfortable. And to your point, 
this is going to be uh, an experience of discomfort as a whole, but how can we make it just a little bit more, um, uh, like acceptable? Yeah. Totally, that's body. totally the word. Cause you're like, this just feels unacceptable. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough one. You know, part of what I love, um, is relating to my clients and being like, Oh, been there, you know, I get it. So I did. That's a tough one though. For me, I've always been super meat driven from the immediate of puberty I was like attracted to just like raw meat at the butcher um and in my my HA phases where what kind of happened with me was I only ate lean meat yeah which is also very common so some of the things I'll do is like look for that pattern with women be like because see are eating meat but we just got like some chicken breast and like some 90% ground beef so what if what do you reckon about like a ribeye, <laughs> you know, just like changing it up a bit. And a little bit more of that, like, you know, less muscle tissue, more like, um, I mean, that's why I love the organ meat blends, but like yeah. collagenous meat into the picture stews and everything you, know, you were told is bad or like too, <laughs> too decadent, you know, I just um, this, literally like yeah. you know, the mineral deficiencies that like trashed my hormone, tra- like basically trashed my hormones. And it's all the stuff that we thought was healthy, like eating low carb, eating low salt, avoiding bananas because they're too high in sugar, only eating flesh meats, not eating meat at all. Like, you know, it's totally, like- I mean, don't even get me started on how we, we, we pay more money to eat less food, <laughs> yes. right? Like, what do we do? What do you mean? Like, has anyone noticed that like you're paying more money for like the zero calorie version of a food. Oh. What is happening? How did we get here? This makes zero sense. There's a ton of relearning and reintroducing of just like regular foods, like really going back to basics, going back to not even ancient wisdom, just like just like pre-industrial revolution or yeah. something like that. Um, that came to my mind is like the entire cheese industry with like reduced fat cheese or like you know that um we've done so much to like locale out cheese and it's like we need that fat we need to eat just like a whole we need to eat the whole good cheese you know because we're like obsessed with being yeah this is so yeah it's actually really bizarre when you get over to where we're standing and look at it from our perspective you're just like this is entirely upside down this is so upside down and I feel so overwhelmed sometimes by the work that needs to be done Something that can really impact your blood sugar balance too is when you are eating um and I think I'm sure you see this with your clients but like they're like oh I'm eating so much food and they're eating you know two eggs and a piece of toast and then like yeah salad and like maybe a spread of non-fat greek yogurt or something and it's like okay this meal is under like 315 calories and like that is not nutrient dense enough you know can we do three eggs can we do like a half or a full avocado can we like how can we make this more um so it's not nutrient dense and they're also finding maybe that they're having cravings mid-morning or they are looking for um 
they're having cravings or they're getting headaches or they're not able to like make it, you know, three to four hours without eating. And they are not understanding that they're just genuinely not eating enough and also not eating enough satisfying foods at that meal time mm-hmm. to keep their blood sugar nice and stabilized. So when I say satisfying, it's like full fat and like substantial foods, not the like low calorie, low fat versions of stuff. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, it's all about audits. Like, isn't it? It's so true. You get, we'll get, you know, a listener in front of us. Yeah. And the first thing we, we do is just like audit, you know, what are those things that you're doing yeah. that are actually just dieting? Yeah. Um, because that's the thing that's holding your fertility back a lot, yeah. you know, and it's just where, what angle is dieting coming in here and disrupting the natural process of your body? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. This has been great. I knew we would be able to just riff out a great conversation. And my two favorite topics, blood sugar and protein, have been addressed. So I'm I'm super stoked. Before we head, anything you would like to say to our listeners, anywhere you might like to point them so they can kind of learn more about you or yeah. Absolutely. Well, you can find me at Live Nourish Nutrition. It's L-I-V on Instagram. My website is also livenourishnutrition.com. I have a couple fun things coming up. This May, I will be launching my No Birth Control Now Watch spring cohort. So (laughs) if you are someone who, we did a fall cohort, now there's a spring cohort. Okay. You know, if you are someone who is looking for symptom relief for their hormone challenges and they've only been given pill, the pill as an option and they're looking for alternatives. This is a great op- offer for you. And also for an individual who is wanting to conceive post birth control and looking for that runway of support. This again would be like a fantastic fit. As far as a freebie, I have my um, healthy hormone audit in action. And this is a space for you to, you know, we talked a lot about different things related to blood sugar balance and protein needs and stress today. This is a list of some of my top foundational activations mm-hmm. for you to kind of reflect on your symptoms and look at these actions and see ones that maybe you are really killing it and doing a great job with or potentially overlooking. And then I give you a pathway to start to make some goals about implementing those into your routine. So I can give Danny that link for the, the wait list action yeah. program and it has a little button to get the, um, the audit if they want that, the audit and action, the freebie. Yeah. I love that. I love anything that's just like, check for blind spots here, you know, and try this, you know, before getting intense about like IVF, (laughs) just like review this, give it a shot. It's such a low hanging fruit. So that sounds like an awesome freebie. It's like such a cool, um, workshop, no birth control. Now what? Um, no birth control now what so it's so kind good. of a pathway to predictable cycles painless periods and prep for healthy conception so good okay yeah we'll put the link to that in the show notes um or people can go to what's your website address just like out yeah. loud live liv nourished nutrition.com got it Luke, playing with your name there i like that <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Liv. And I hope you all enjoyed this episode so much. And we will see you guys next week for another one. Bye, guys. 
Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So Temp Drop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So temp drops accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction. Temp drop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the temp drop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code so just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code afha society i think too if you just go to tempdrop.com and and use um, afha society at the checkout that will work too so happy temping and good luck This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other 
like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef and my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp which is important for overall thyroid function which is often low in women with underperforming hormones so rather than eat seaweed snacks every day i get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine so if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now do not skimp the nutrient rich source of beef liver get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way they ship to most countries so you should be covered just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society just HA Society at the checkout for the 10% off that's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.